1: What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Dime. I'm Brian Fields, and with me, as always, is Kellen Finney. And this week, we've got a very special guest, Luke Anderson, co founder of Can. Luke, thanks for taking the time. How are you doing today?
0: Thanks for having me. I mean, I would say I'm doing great, but it is a bloodbath out here. And so I am barely hanging on.
1: (laughs) What were those early days like for you with Can and kind of getting the adoption of getting new users to try a product that maybe are a little more uncommon, right? Obviously, everyone talks about the flour being the most popular one, but beverages are kind of up and coming in some spaces. So, what are some of those challenges like in the early days?
0: When I was at Bain, the management consulting firm in London in the two years before I started CAN, I worked on a lot of projects helping big CPG companies behave more like startups. And the whole Thesis behind that type of work was if you get a cross functional team of six to eight people in a room and you narrow the scope of what you're trying to do to one city, one SKU, and one retailer, and you just stay laser focused on that and just keep iterating and iterating until you figure out what works, you'll learn so much by keeping the scope narrow that you can accomplish more in three months on a $500,000 budget than a traditional company would in 18 months on a 5 to $10 million budget. And so we, we deployed that same sort of uh, structure in Can's early days and said, let's try to win with a six pack of this two milligram THC, three flavor multi-pack, and then get MedMen on board in Los Angeles, particularly West LA, and then try to, with the least amount of money possible, see the sales just like keep happening
1: so kind of expanding on the model the best thing to happen to drinking since drinking I love that right you, you get the feeling you know exactly who that's connecting with so is the the target customer is it for an alcohol consumer who's looking to adopt is it both how, how would you kind of see that way playing out
0: so in our early fundraising deck the one slide that really resonated with people the most was 21 out of 25 adult drinkers said they want to drink less booze. And so unlike most cannabis brands who are trying to carve a niche within the traditional cannabis consumer, we're looking at the alcohol drinker that isn't perfectly satisfied with the amount of alcohol they drink. And so it's a much broader addressable market. But convincing those people to show up to a dispensary is the hard part. It takes a lot of hyper-local field marketing. It takes a lot of Really creative campaigns that strike an emotional chord with people who fit certain demographic or behavioral or need state
1: profiles. How many canned beverages should one expect to consume? I know with drinking, right, you were saying ten plus drinks. What would you say from an estimate standpoint? So, to give you an example, I had five or six. I think on New Year's, and I was starting to feel good. and then I started to hesitate, Is this one of those curves where it kind of uh, accelerates up like that or it kind of plateaus? so, Luke, what's your thought process on, on how many to consume if you're uh let's say a novice cannabis user and just looking to see where those limits are?
0: I never want to recommend that somebody consume too much because I don't want to be responsible for somebody's bad cancer. <laughs> sure, right. I know I said <laughs> you for <laughs> a tough one. But I have I have had 10 high boys. Like I I've I've had 50 milligrams of THC from a beverage during a dry January two years ago, and I was not. Out of control. I was glued to my couch and I was eating Cheetos. But I think when I talk to somebody who's a novice cannabis user, I say start with one and check in with yourself after 30 minutes, which is sort of how I think a responsible alcohol drinker thinks about like going to a bar and, you know, whether it's like one drink an hour or one drink every 30 minutes over the course of three or four hours somewhere.
1: Do you think one of the biggest challenges the cannabis industry has with beverages is that they're not able to tell the difference that the alcohol consumer is not kind of built into the total addressable market of what the potential could be?
0: Yes, I I think that's a fundamental issue. Cannabis industry pundits often think about the universe as people who are buying cannabis from dispensaries today. And if you're looking at the data, yeah, 50% of the drinks that are being sold on a dollar's basis, they're 100 milligram THC shots. I think it's because we're really early and the people who are walking the dispensary floor are much more likely to need 100 milligrams of THC at an approachable price point. But we have always looked at the universe as just like people on the earth. And and we're trying to figure out... you know If you stop 10 people on the street in New York City, and you said, like, do you want to drink less booze? 8 out of 10 would say yes. And if you stop the t- same 10 people on the street, or you asked them a follow-up question and said, are you a cannabis user? More than 50% of them would say no. And that, I think, is where the cannabis industry is really missing the point. is How do we figure out how to educate those people and get them to be interested in cannabis? Because I tell you what, we would not have the capital markets in the place that they were if the big cannabis players really made outsized investments in products like can that were helpful to recruit people into the cannabis world away from the alcohol world.
1: Cannabis lounges, a an asset for the fight forward of adopting cannabis beverages?
0: Huge asset. I just wish there were more of them that were just like edible and beverage focused. Because I think that there, there is a lingering stigma around rooms filled with smoke and the cannabis smell. And I think edibles and beverages are really powerful because you don't necessarily have to deal with that. But it's very hard to make an on-premise lounge economically viable as a business without including the high volume flour category. But I think that we'll we'll start to see more pop up. Like if you're seeing non-alcoholic booze shops pop up, eventually you will see like microdose only cannabis lounges that are like more for sober-ish people than for cannabis people. And I think those are going to be really interesting social spaces.
1: What is the most misunderstood thing about your company?
0: People say that we're like cocky and that we're like, you know, full of ourselves. And we're just trying to survive. Like, I, I mean, most beverages like... They really struggled to get off the ground. There have been huge companies that have invested hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars, in trying to do microdose THC beverage at scale, and have really struggled. And we're an independent, like we're just like two gay dudes in LA that like tried to make a weed soda work, and it's working. Like, be nice to us. <laughs> um, I, I think like um, you have to pound your chest really hard and try to get the word out there about something when it doesn't exist. Otherwise, it doesn't exist, period. And, and we believe that everyone stands to gain so much when it exists, that we're a little bit louder and a little bit more hard to miss
1: when it comes to our marketing and some of the statements that we make. Uh, what is one concept you learned operating in the cannabis industry that would shock or surprise others? Sometimes
0: you don't get paid. <laughs> like it's like uh in, in business you expect that if you do something that people give you dollars for it. But in cannabis, the norm is like maybe. <laughs> and so, you know, we've had people run off with a hundred thousand dollars and never come back. Like we've had dispensaries shut down and and just like have to write off a lot of bad debt. It's
1: a future roadmap.
0: I I think we'll actually do a blockbuster edible in the next like three to five years. Um I think it would take partnering with a really like-minded edible manufacturer who finds value in the can
1: brand. When you started your journey in the cannabis space, what did you get right? And most importantly, what did you get wrong?
0: I think Jake got the product right from a dosing perspective in in terms of like, how do we differentiate from what's on the market and and get like real traction? I think what we got wrong was the timing. Uh, I think we thought federal legalization would have happened this year.
1: Before we do predictions we ask all of our guests if you could sum up your experience in a main takeaway or lesson learned to pass on to the next generation what would it be
0: Oh my god only start a company especially only start a company in cannabis if you are willing to give up your entire life for it it is it is not something that i was prepared for the you know my family looks a lot different now my friends look a lot different now my day-to-day, and what I have to do in order to survive is not at all what I would have expected. And so I, I, would, I would second guess, wow, this would be cool type of decision. And I would only do it if you're like, I could not live with myself if, if, um, if I didn't devote my life to this.
1: So Luke, for our listeners, they want to get in touch. They want to buy canned beverages. Where can they find you? Drinkcan.com with two Ns. We'll link it up in the show notes. Thanks for taking the time. This was fun. Thank you. Guys, if you've enjoyed this podcast over the last few years, can you please take three minutes or less and leave us a quick review on Apple or Spotify? All reviews make a massive difference for us and help other people like you find this podcast. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you.